in week three of this, me- of this series called Faith University. And so I want to get right to work, man. There's a scripture I want to read in the gospel of Mark chapter two, beginning with verse number one. Mark two, verse number one. If you're ready, put yes in that chat. Just yes. Put it with some exclamation marks. High impact follows high energy. All right? So watch this. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 says, A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I want to pause for the cause. I want to tag a title of this text in our time together today. I want to talk from this subject, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Clap your hands if you're excited about the word, man. Well, listen, I want to begin our time together today by informing some and reminding others that our God is a God of principles. Our God is a God of principles. Principles, family, are rules of operation. They are sets of best practices that produce and promote and ensure, listen to me, the protection and the potential of a thing. I'm going to say it again. Principles are rules of operations. They are sets of best practices that ensure the the protection and the potential of a thing. They are the equivalent to tags filled with instructions that come on garments that you purchase. Instruction that says things like only wash in cold water. Don't wash in warm water. Those are principles. Those are sets of best practices intended to ensure the protection of and the potential of a thing. It's it's like the creator of that thing is saying, in order for you to protect this and in order for you to get the most out of this, these are the sets of practices you need to follow. And ladies and gentlemen, just as it is, watch this, just as it is for assets, so it is for individuals. Our creator knows what's in our best interests. And so he offers a set of practices. He, He gives us principles to ensure, number one, our protection. He says there are some things that want to get to you that can't get to you if you follow the instruction I gave you for you. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not, not only do they ensure our protection, thank God for that, they they also ensure our, protect our potential. It means that, watch this, if I follow the instruction that the manufacturer and the creator gave me with this garment, the garment lasts longer. 
<laughs> Did you hear what I just said? See, see, it, some things wear down prematurely. Wow. They, they, they wither easily because the instruction that is intended to produce the potential of a thing is followed. And this is why one of the areas of attention of the adversary is to make sure God's people are unaware of the tag that's in the back of their garment. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the enemy knows, hey, I don't have to destroy you if I can keep you uninformed regarding the principle, God, principles God's given to protect you. God is a God of principles. So watch this. Faith in the creator then means more than just believing in God's person. It also means I've got to believe in his principles. And there's a principle that I see postured in the pages of this, this passage here in Mark that I believe we must explore and embrace if we're serious about possessing God's promises. And it's a principle that I call the principle of partnership. It's in the text. <laughs> the, the principle of partnership. Here it is. You can't get what's best for yourself by yourself. That, that, that you can't possess Everything that's for you with only you. <laughs> that we were, even though we live in a culture of independence in the kingdom, we've been created to operate with interdependence. Yeah, 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 yeah. The apostle Paul spends an entire chapter in the book of Corinth trying to communicate this to people who have been swept up in the social norm and the, and the, and the cultural trend that I can just do it by myself and I, and I don't need anybody else. And, and as long as I got Jesus, I don't need you and not realizing that sometimes Jesus works through them. He says, he says, he says, if somebody says, watch this, they're, they're the eye, they can't say they have no need of the hand. And if somebody says they're the hand, they can't say they have no need of the feet. We've been created and crafted to operate with interdependence because the power of all of us is greater than the power of any one of us. The enemy understands this. This is why he is always after unity. He attacks unity with a unique kind of aggression. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalms 133. He says, oh, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil that ran from Aaron's beard down to the skirts of his garment. The beard company representing the head of the priest, which is Jesus. The garments which cover the body, which represents the body of Christ. It's saying that the only way that the oil that's on the head can get down to the body is if there's unity. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's what's called a corporate anointing. 
Yeah, now watch this. In an era and in an age of radical individualism, the focus is simply on personal anointing. But I want to tell you, Psalms 133 is referring to a corporate anointing, that a unique and uncommon effectiveness is achieved and accomplished when we get together. Y'all better come get me. And that's why the devil wants to keep us apart. Because he realizes that when the eye hooks up with the head and the head hooks up with the ear and the ear hooks up with the arm and the leg, that we can go some places we could not go. We were operating independently. It's the principle of partnership. And every principle that God proclaims is a principle God practices himself. Anything he proclaims, he practices. Anything he instructs us in is an area he's an example in. The principle of partnership is seen not in people first, it's seen with God. It's seen in the creation narrative. As God creates the human species, Genesis 1:26 records God saying this: "Let us." Are y'all here? Yeah, let us. Let us. Let us, it's saying that creation was a result of divine collaboration. That even God needed in us. And if God needed in us to create some things, then there are some things that only we can create within us. But we live in a cultural context where all of the focus is on me. And people are wiped out and burned out and stressed out because they do not understand the power of us. But I pray that in this season, God sends you the right us. I pray that in this season, God shows you the right us. Because sometimes he's got to sin because they're not in your life. Then other times he's got to show because they're there, you just don't see it. My God. See, some people are struggling right now because they don't see you. They see you, but they don't see you. So they're underutilizing the oil that's on you. They're underutilizing the ability that's in you because they hadn't recognized the power of us. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Solomon, that, that wise man, says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. This was my wife and I's verse when we met in college. Here it is. He says, two are better than one. He says, two are better than one. He says, for they have a good return for their labor. If either, <laughs> see, he, he didn't say you don't have any return if there's one. He just says it's a good return if it's two. Let me give you some bad English. It's good theology. Things get gooder with two. <sighs> Did you hear what I just said? He says, two are better than one. For either of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That's what the wise man Solomon says. 
But the prophetic personality, Amos puts it this way in Amos 3.3. He says, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so. Let's take it a step further. And I, can, I would argue that the Old Testament name for God, which is Jehovah, suggests partnership. It's his covenant name. I, it's, when we see Jehovah, you can, it's, it's like you can, you can put I am, I promise, I covenant to be a blank. <laughs> because God's a God of partnership. Because there are some things that are not created without an us. And so having faith in God's person also means having faith in God's principles and understanding the power of partnership. And our foundational text here in Mark chapter 2 reveals a passage that shows this principle of partnership in action in a profound way. The text exposes us to an individual that is suffering with some sort of Watch this. He's suffering with some sort of paralysis or he's suffering with an issue that has rendered him immobile. Did y'all hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. So, so he's, he's dealing with immobility in, in and of itself or he is dealing with an issue that has rendered him immobile. And remember now, Charles Spurgeon says that every physical miracle in the Bible is a metaphor for a spiritual miracle. So let's not look at the paralysis literally. Let's look at the paralysis metaphorically. And metaphorically, this paralysis represents immobility. It represents people who can't move. And so sometimes the immobility is the issue, and sometimes immobility is the result of an issue. Because heartbreak can make you immobile. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, there's a way that hearts can be broken and destroyed and wounded that'll make you, that it will make you hold yourself hostage to a prison that you call protection. <laughs> I got to protect myself. It, 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 it's some issues, D disappointment will make you immobile. Betrayal sometimes will make you immobile. You'll be saying in the words of one cultural voice, no new friends. <laughs> yep, yep. You don't, you don't make a statement like that unless you've been stung. Yeah you, yeah, you don't make a statement like that unless you've been stung. You are saying, God, you cannot bring anybody new in my life that will help me with my next. that I have been so hurt by what has happened in my past, I am willing to stay stuck in my present wow. rather than run the risk yeah. Yeah. of somebody new 
becoming a nemesis. We have a person in the text who's immobile. And someone gets word that Jesus is in a house in his town. Lord have mercy. (laughs) We don't know where this man's house is. But somehow this man got a word. Watch this. That Jesus was in a house in town. They in the town, but they can't get the miracle unless they get in the house. Which represents, which represents not just a physical house or a spiritual house like a church. It represents the place where Jesus is. Are y'all here? He's saying, if you want this, you got to get to where I am. You got to meet me on my terms. And sometimes, are y'all hearing me? Sometimes Jesus is like, you can't find me because you were where I left. And you're trying to find me the same way you found me three years ago. But I move to make you move. Even though I'm omnipresent, I affected, I reduced, I restricted your sense of my presence in order to motivate you to move from one spiritual place to a next. So there's a reason you can't feel me the way you used to. It's not that I'm not there, it's that I've used the feelings to try to pull you into another place of intimacy that you wouldn't go to if I let you feel me the way you used to. They get word that Jesus is in the house. Watch this. So the text says that there are men that pick up this man and carry this man to where Jesus is. Now watch this. Remember, there are no cell phones. So there's no text messaging. There are no phones in general. So they have no way of knowing how long Jesus is going to be there. (laughs) So they don't even know if Jesus is still going to be there by the time they get there. So I want you to see the friends who are carrying this weight, walking to where Jesus is, hoping he will be there when they get there. There's no FaceTime, so they can't see. So they're not walking by sight. (gasps) They're not walking by sight. They're walking by faith. Hoping that Jesus is going to be there when they get there. Are y'all ready for this? So their faith is seen in their willingness to walk with weight. Anybody feel like you're carrying something heavy? Anybody ever felt like you've been carrying something that's so heavy you just want to drop it? 
Anybody feel like you've been carrying something so heavy for so long that, 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 that you're running out of hope and belief and expectation and anticipation that you're going to be able to relieve this weight? They're walking with weight, hoping that when they get to Jesus, he's going to make the weight worth the weight. I, I, I don't know who this is. I don't know who this is for, but I'm telling you, if you are willing to walk with the weight, when you get to Jesus, Jesus will make the weight worth the weight. Did you hear what I said? He said, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll turn your mourning into dancing. I'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Jesus said, when you get to me, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Uh, one time I was having a conversation with a friend and I asked him a question. I said, uh, you know, you went through that and that had to be excruciating. I was like, so, 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 you know what I mean? T tell me how it felt. And he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, he said, D, God has done such a miraculous work now. This is what he said. He said, I remember it hurt but I can't remember what it felt like. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? He said, I remember it hurt, but I can't remember what it felt like. He said, what God has done in this season has brought me so much pleasure. I remember that it hurt, but I can't reconnect with that pain because what he has done in this season has, has far exceeded the memory of the pain in the previous one. And that's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you get to a season where you walk to where Jesus is and you look back and say, I remember that it hurt, but it's so good right now. I can't remember what it felt like. <laughs> They're walking to Jesus and they get to the house only to discover they're not the only one with that idea. It's crowded. It's, oh, that'll preach in and of itself. It's a crowd that want what they want. <laughs> it's a crowd that want what they want. It's a crowd that's after what they after. And they could have incorrectly assumed that because everybody else wants it, I'm not going to get it. They could have seen the crowd and said, this is too many people. And they could have walked back. Did you hear what I just said? Now, watch this. Now, most of the time, let's be honest. The only, not the only, but two, 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 th there are a few places that we get excited about when it's packed. Church and the club are two of them, all right? <laughs> Other than that, when you go to a restaurant and it's packed, you're not really excited. You go to a movie theater and it's packed, you, you're not really excited. You go to a theme park and it's packed, you're not really excited. You go to the barber shop and it's packed, you're not really that excited. So when they get to this house and they see these crowds, I believe, watch this, their first emotion was disappointment. Because the text says they couldn't even get close to the door. Okay, 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 okay. They couldn't get close to the door because typically the door is the only way you get into the room. <laughs> There's somewhere I'm trying to go and the only way I can get there is through the door. They're assuming probably initially 
that the uh, that if I can't get through this door, I can't get in the room. And, 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 and it's easy to live with those assumptions, right? That, okay, if it doesn't happen this way, it can't happen. If, 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 if it doesn't happen by this time, it, it can't happen. If I don't go, that, go through that door, I can't get in the room. Don't miss this. <laughs> Their faith had to survive and walk through the, watch this. Their faith had to survive walking through the valley of the shadow of death because disappointment is death to expectation. When you're expecting something and you're extending effort to something and then it looks like that something is not about to happen, it'll kill your expectation. For some people, it may not have killed it, but it shrunk it. It's, it's when we adjust expectation because of the crowd that's crowding the door and not because of the Christ that's in the room. But something happens. I don't know what it was. S- something happened. Their faith was like Teflon. Their, watch this. I believe the strength of your faith, one marker of the strength of our faith, is revealed in that faith's ability to survive disappointment. When disappointment comes, does faith leave? They had to be willing to keep believing that it was possible even though everything that they see says to them it's unlikely. And my gosh, I hope that if we get nothing else, we understand the importance of that distinction. The difference between unlikely and impossible. Unlikely is just unlikely, but unlikely is not impossible. As a matter of fact, God only operates in the realm of impossibility. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, yeah, unlikely does not mean impossible. And obviously, they understood that because these men did something. They decide to go on to the roof. Faith births creativity. Now watch this. The fact that they went that way, are y'all ready for this? The fact that they went that way probably is an indication that other people didn't. Now, some historians say, now, we shouldn't, we shouldn't envision these roofs the way we envision a, a roof here in our current contemporary context. One, it is lower, and two, they were flat. Three, there were, some say there were stairwells that actually led to the roof. So the stairs been there the whole time, and the roof has been there the whole time, and nobody went that way, because faith will let you see stairs other people miss. Did you hear what I said? I said, faith will help you see stairs that other people miss. Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the stairs have been there the whole time, 
but, but God will show you where to look. See, and same thing happened with Abraham when he was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. The ram is caught in the thickets. God had to show him where to look. And there's another way to get it done. Faith will help you see stairs everybody else is ignoring. Now watch this. Are y'all ready for this? Please don't forget that there are four men carrying him. Principle of partnership. I don't believe all four of the men saw the stairs. Probably one person. <laughs> Probably one person saw the stairs. Because sometimes you need additional eyes. So the text says this. They go up on the roof, and here's the text. It says <laughs> they not only have to get to the roof, they have to tear a hole in it. I'm not going to bother this because this will preach. It's not even their house. It's not even their house. That house belong to somebody else. They tear a hole in this roof. They lowered the man down through the roof. And the text says this. I'm almost done. And Jesus saw, look at it, their faith. Oh, I'm in the book now. It says right here, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. So... <laughs> it didn't say when Jesus saw his. It says when Jesus saw there. So the there can either mean one or two things. The there can mean he saw the faith of all five of them. The four that were carrying him and the, and, and the one man with the issue. That's corporate faith. Collective faith. Got me? Or <laughs> he saw the faith of some of them, but not all of them, and responded to the faith of some of them and not all of them. So one is corporate faith. The other is intercessory faith. Now, I'm getting ready to shake the theological tree here now. Watch this. Because <laughs> it's possible everybody there didn't believe. But Jesus not only receives intercessory prayers, Jesus also responds to intercessory faith. There are times where people stand in the gap with their prayer. That's intercessory prayer. And then there are times where people stand in the gap with their faith. That's intercessory faith. 
Another example of intercessory faith is in John 11 when Lazarus is dead. So when you're dead, you can't believe for yourself. But he experiences a resurrection because his sisters said, Jesus, you can't lose, use Lazarus' faith, but you can use mine. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need some people in your life who can do more than pray for you. But you need some people in your life who can believe for you. So when your faith is paralyzed and you can't believe for yourself, they stand in the gap and say, Jesus, you might not can depend on their faith, but you can depend on mine. It text says he saw their faith. <laughs> but he said to the paralyzed man, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, I got a little problem with this. Okay. I got a little problem with this. Because if I'm his friends, I'm saying, I carried all this weight all this time. I don't tore these people roof up. I'm going to have to pay for this after. But I'm so committed to dealing with the result, to getting the result. I'm willing to deal with the ramifications. <laughs> this might not be done. The, this might cause a little mess, but I'll clean up the mess after I get my miracle. Y'all aren't talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to clean up the mess after I get the miracle. I got to get this miracle. Say, now, Jesus, thank you. But we didn't carry him all this way for him to get his sins forgiven. He's sick. We came here for him to get well. I didn't carry him all this way for him to get forgiven. He can get forgiven at home. <laughs> I carried him this way. Not so he can get forgiven. I carried him all this way so he can get healed. What do you do when the first need Jesus meet isn't what you think is your greatest need? like Jesus I'm not ready to talk about that he said no no I just use this to get you here so we can talk about that because Jesus said in order for me to be able to meet your needs I got to be able to assess it and sometimes me and you have two different assessments about what's priority because the thing that's most painful to you isn't always the thing that's priority for me so you ready to walk first because you want to deal with the outer man first but the priority for me is the inner man so I'm using this outer issue to get you to me so that you can see you need something you didn't know you needed. You just thought you needed relief from the pain. I use the pain to get you to me to help you see you needed freedom and forgiveness. And if, if they would have got an attitude, if they would have just pulled him right back, I ain't come here for this. I didn't come here for all of this. If they just pulled him up, they would have missed something. Maybe Jesus dealt with forgiveness first because he knows that forgiveness affects your faith. Yeah. 
maybe he knows that guilt is a faith killer. (laughs) That some people don't have faith, not because they don't believe God can. They just don't believe God will for them because they don't feel worthy. What are people not believing for? Because they don't feel worthy of. Where is guilt killing your faith? (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? Where is guilt killing your faith? Where's your own sense of worthiness watering down what you're believing for? Maybe Jesus knew I can't do for this man what I want to do for this man if this man is still wrestling with his own worthiness. So let me get this worthiness issue out of the way and let you know you're forgiven. And now that you know you can, you're forgiven, once you receive forgiveness, you can receive the healing. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now watch this. Verse 10 says, so he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Wait a minute. I got a problem with this. I'm done. I got a problem with this. Get up, take up your mat, and go home. I got a problem with this. Get up, take your mat, and go home. I got a problem with this. Here's my problem. If I could get up, I would have got up already. But maybe part of the way you heal me is giving me instruction to do something I think I'm incapable of. Maybe part of the way you heal me is by giving me instruction that sounds unreasonable. So not only do you tell me to get up, you carry me, you tell me to carry the thing that's been carrying me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you hearing me? See, sometimes we think we need to leave it. And Jesus is like, no, you need to carry it. And you need to carry this to remind yourself that I'll have you carry the thing that used to carry you. (laughs) He said, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the Bible says he got up. Y'all, please, I want you to see this in verse 12. I'm trying not to run. He says, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. In full view of them all. Don't mess with me, y'all. He got in through the roof, but he walked out the door. I don't know who... I'm preaching to today, but I came to tell you, they may have been looking at you crazy when you went through the roof, but they're going to be looking at you in amazement when you walk through the door 
because God's going to do it in full view of them all. And it says, this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. Now, listen to me. I've been preaching this for years, and I won't stop because the goal of me teaching is not your knowledge, it's your transformation. It's not I know it. It's when you're doing it. It's mastery. It's don't just hear the word. and be, so, so I'm not repeating. I, I don't repeat myself because I don't have something new to say. I, I'm repeating myself. Because what I'm trying to deliver is transformation, not just information. Listen to me. There are two ways God uses you. He uses your gifts. That's the easiest. The most complex is when he uses your life. Right? Got me? I'm teaching now. He's using my gifts. Lazarus, you don't know what his spiritual gift is. You have no idea what his spiritual gift is. You have no idea what he's good at. What did God use? He used his life. He said, I'm going to let you stay dead four days, and I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to use you like that. (laughs) I'm going to use your life. And he used this man's life. And his life is a picture to us of the power of partnership. This doesn't happen without partners. So there are three things I want to tell you, and I'm going to pray over you and let you go. Here it is, one. I want to encourage you to do this. Thank God. Thank God. Let me just speak this over somebody. Like, I'm praying for more than cheerleaders for you. You need carriers. Everybody that cheers can't carry. So I see this principle of partnership playing out three ways in the text. I'm done. The first way is this. I see them partnering with God. Look at me. God gives the blueprint, but you have to build a building. God gave Noah the blueprint for the ark. Noah had to build it. God's like, I will do what you can't do for you. I will not do what you won't do for you. And everything I show you, I'm giving you the blueprint, but you got to do the building. Partner with me. Secondly, partner with others. Be willing to carry the weight of somebody else's burden. Because sometimes in the text, we're going to be the person on the mat. And sometimes in the text, we're going to be the person doing the carry. And then number three, allow people to partner with you. Don't allow the pain from parasites in the past to stop you from embracing partners that God's going to send to you in your future. How many people are stressed out, worn out, overwhelmed, burned out? Not because God won't, isn't sending help, but because they too hurt to receive it.
God's like this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pain will cause you to treat help like a threat. That's exactly what the religious leaders did with Jesus. He like, I'm not a threat. I'm here to help. And some places of immobility in our life would be removed if we understood this principle of partnership. So Father, I pray right now that you give us eyes to see this. That you push us to a place where we don't not just have faith in your person, but faith in your principles. In this principle of partnership, help us to partner with you. Help us to partner with others and help us to allow others to partner with us. That, that we can step into the place and the space that you called, created, and crafted for us to be. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Drop some fire in that, chat. I love you. Well, listen. Listen.